Welcome to How to Live Podcast with Dr. Chip Dodd, a series to help us see who we are made to be so we can do what we are made to do. Hello, this is Dr. Chip Dodd. Welcome to the How to Live Podcast Uncut. Today is a on one level, maybe one of the stranger podcasts that you'll get to hear because the title of the podcast is actually called The Answer to Life, uh, which sounds extraordinarily grandiose. And at the same time, the the uh, awareness that I'm going to share w- today is actually like a kindergarten solution to life, but it doesn't make it any less true. So today's podcast is about the answer to life. And um, turns out that the answer to life is a question. But I want to give a little bit of background before we move into the answer and the question. Um, and, and in my thinking, unless you've already kind of hung up on this one uh, or just hit the postpone button, I want to like hold the um, excitement of the answer to life, which is a question, until a little bit later on in the podcast. But I promise we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> The, the we you've heard if those of you who've heard some of the other podcasts, it's very clear what my emphasis is. Number one, I'm saying that you and I are created as emotional and spiritual creatures, created to do one thing in life, and that thing that we're created to do is live fully. But it turns out the way human beings are wired, or the way the DNA of our makeup is formed is that that which is nutritious, or in other words, gives energy to move towards fulfillment in the human being, what what grows us is relationship. And what feeds the slug, what feeds the the, uh, fox, what feeds the tree, what feeds the grass, what feeds the flowers, what feeds the people in terms of the most highest level of, of nutrition is separate and distinct. And I understand oxygen, water, I get all that. But what I'm saying, what actually feeds the, ful- the, the fulfillment of the human being is relationship. And so we're created as emotional and spiritual creatures, created to do one thing in life, it's live fully, but we can't live fully until we're doing so in relationship with ourselves, others, and God. Living, which means I'm able to use my brain to express my heart and integrate it. I'm able to share myself with other people doing the same thing, which creates connection, and I'm able to be in relationship with God, and God is a relational being. Now, living fully is the point of life, but when a human being is fully alive, they cannot help but become sort of a glory to God. In other words, they express the creativity, creation that God made a person to to have. Also, uh, when a person is fully alive, they end up discovering meaning and purpose in life. They end up discovering uh, the push towards significance, uh, they, the, the awareness of love being the uh, main form of fulfillment and uh, giving being the greatest expression of that fulfillment. So you and I are created uh, in that way. Also, you've heard me talk about how neuroscience has finally caught up with sort of the awareness of the old proverb that as a man or a person thinketh, 
as a person thinks in their heart, so is the person. In other words, our thinking is about expressing our hearts and the need of the fulfilled person is the capacity to use their brains, to use their heads, to use their frontal lobes to express the limbic world or to express the heart. Neuroscience has pretty clearly pointed towards the, the in their advancements of discovery of the ancient truths is that human beings are created to find fulfillment through social connection, which leads to social contentment. In other words, to discover living fully, which leads to purpose and uh, significance, which leads to sense of well-being. So social connection, which leads to, to social contentment or for the purpose of social contentment. So therein also is even neuroscience pointing towards how a human being finds fulfillment through relationship. And that without that, we tend to wither, get sick, become unstable, lose contact with how we're made. And, and subsequent to that is to uh, lose connect, to lose connection is to lose contact. To lose contact is to wind up in isolation. To in, be in isolation is to not be able to be fully human. So it turns out that, that when we sort of intermingle the ancient with the modern, the ancient with the most up-to-date science, sort of like the spiritual with the scientific, what we wind up with is that the, the human brain is doing two things all the time. Now, we have to remember that the human brain develops from the back to the front, meaning that there's the brain stem, which is the initial development, which is, let's just call it instinct, survival instinct. What we do when we start to drown and what we happens when we need food, and it's the recognition of, of, of sort of like self-preservation. Then the second developmental part of the brain is the limbic world, and that is the attachment center, the emotional center, the nurturing center, the, the craving center, the dream center, and the seat of long-term memory. That's the limbic world. That's our attachment brain that, that, that is able to eat relationship. And then the frontal lobe development is called executive functioning. That's their ability to speak and, and think and make decisions related to even that which is beyond ourselves. In other words, capacity to care, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense, and the capacity to be logical and reasonable under circumstances in which if emotion were completely in control, we would not be able to decide uh, the, the best thing to do. So the brain develops from the front, from the back to the front. However, the, the, the last part of our, of our development is created to be a tool of the highest expression of what makes us most mainly human. In other words, the frontal lobe is actually there in our head, so to speak, to be able to articulate the, the uh, struggles, needs, feelings, longings, desires, hopes, dreams, the imagination of the heart. So the, 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 the main purpose of the frontal lobe, besides counting and memorizing, how to bake a cake and do neurosurgery, uh, the frontal lobes memorizes how to do life and figures out things. But for the purpose of, of, of what it's all for is in the territory of the heart or the limbic world for relationship. Now, when we get down to moving towards the answer to life, which is a question, we're going to go all the way back to kindergarten. To, to it's, it's the simplest realities, the simplest truths of how we're created. Well, it turns out that the frontal lobe, 
which does executive functioning, memorizes things and, and uh, figures out how to get home at night and which direction to go so we can wind up at a place called home, which is where we find, hopefully, dream of fulfillment. But the, the frontal, frontal lobe is always asking a question in our interactions with humans in the world, which are what we're made to find fulfillment in, that the frontal lobe is always saying, is it safe? The, 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 the uh, uh, frontal cortex is always saying, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe in our interactions? And we're, we're asking, is it safe? And I know this is simplistic, but we're asking, is it safe in the front part of the brain so we can ask a more important question that is existing in the middle part of the brain. In other words, the brain is there to find out if it's safe so I can ask the real question of the heart. So is it safe so I can turn around and ask you, if I find it safe, do you care? Now, we can be uh, harmed enough and hurt enough so that that we're, we, we, we detach from the need to be cared about and we're always functioning in the frontal lobe. Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And because we're, we have a, a, a separation that's created by harm and terror, we never get around to being able to vulnerably ask the question, do you care? Because we never find it safe enough to take the risk of asking the question. So that's called trauma, which means we're, we're frozen out of being able to feel our feelings and actually ask the question, do you care? Because of the unhealed experiences of the past. We hope that you are benefiting from this podcast. If you are interested in more material from Dr. Dodd, please go to chipdodd.com or Sage Hill Podcasts. Thank you for listening. We now return to the rest of the podcast. Okay, so here is the, the answer to life that is a question. And um, it's amazingly simple. And there, I think it still exists, even, even in elementary school levels, even though we've become extremely sophisticated with our technology. But the answer to life, it is a question, is this. Do you like me? Question mark. I like you. Statement. Please circle yes or no. And that question is the answer to life because in that question and in that statement and in that request is the craving for social connection, the, the hunger to live fully, doing so through relationship with ourselves, others, and God, using the frontal lobe to express the experiences of the limbic world, using our heads to at, express our hearts, and doing that in its simplest, purest form rendered uh, amazingly clear through vulnerability and expresses the powerlessness of how we're we're created and expresses the uh, hunger and craving of joining with others to have a fulfillment that we're literally created to find. So in that question is the answer to how to live a life of fulfillment. Do you like me? I like you. Circle yes or no. Our ability to ask that question is also uh, dictated or, or circumscribed by our capacity to tolerate and be emotionally resilient in the face of the answer being no uh, to our question. 
Our ability to tolerate the answer, no, tests our ability for resilience. And it, and we need to be able to hear the word no and allow it to bring us towards introspection and tolerance. So both answers, yes and no, yes or no, are both, both challenges. But no is the greatest challenge because no doesn't mean you're, you're worthless or un- unlikable or rejectable. It, it means that there's an opportunity for us to have introspection and also be able to tolerate that some people are not going to grasp who we really are and bridges can be burned, people can reject, and that is how life is going to happen. But we need to be able to develop the emotional resilience to be able to tolerate no as we expand ourselves into the world. And you can't tolerate no until you've experienced some yeses. So us daring to ask that question and be secure enough to ask that question or even brave enough to ask that question means that somewhere inside of us, we've experienced yes. And so the second challenge to the question is the being able to receive the yes. Yes gives us the strength of acceptance. It allows us to have trust. And in that acceptance and trust of being loved, we have security. So yes is a challenge because it allows us to take the risk and makes us vulnerable in trust, vulnerable with being able to assess ourselves as secure, and allows us to be vulnerable enough to live in acceptance, believing that we have place to go when life becomes painful, life becomes uh, extraordinarily full of grief, and when we bump into enough no's that we really need to go back and ask the tough question of, of is the yes true? And when we do ask the question, is the yes true? Guess what we're asking? We're going to the answer to life, which is a question. Do you like me still? Because I still like you and need you. I need to hear what the truth is. And we're hoping like crazy, the truth is yes. And if we have found that yes there before, and if we are still being truthful with who we really are, the answer is still going to be yes. And so love is love is uh, founded in yes, which allows us to tolerate the no. And it's founded in yes because we answered, we asked the question. We got answered in the affirmative at a young age, which allows us to develop the security to keep living the answer to life by being able to be in the vulnerability of, of, of being able to ask or being, being in the vulnerability of being able to tolerate no. Life fulfillment it occurs through emotional vulnerability that allows us to continue to be human in the face of a world that tends to reject vulnerability and then be able to develop emotional resilience in our capacity to be vulnerable, which allows us to continue to be able to dare to function as we're created neuroscientifically, but even more importantly, as we're created by God to be able to stay fully alive by staying vulnerable to being able to uh, live the answer to life, which is a question. Do you like me? I like you. Circle yes or no. But either way, whether you circle yes or no, to remain fully alive, because I have the answer, on some level, I'm going to remain in kindergarten in the simplicity of living. And isn't it amazing that when... uh, uh, the disciples of Jesus were asking him who's the greatest 
in the kingdom of heaven or who's going to be the greatest. He brought a child in front of them, the group, whomever was in the group. And he said, with a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, but a child who could stand and stand in front of Jesus or walk, uh, it, it could stand there. And he said, until you change and become like one of these, you can't even grasp fully what the kingdom of heaven is all about. He also referred to children in other places until you have faith like a child. And he said, to such as these I have come, let them come to me. So, uh, and all of these children were capable of being able to receive a yes and on some level tolerate the pain of a no. So in some ways, I know it's a little bit comedic, but I really believe that the the simplest uh, recognition of the answer to life is a question. And the question is our ability to continue to ask that question and, and tolerate the security of the yes and being able to be resilient in the midst of the no while we keep on living. So thank you for listening to uh, what sounds presumptuous at first, but it's every kindergarten knows the answer and they know how to ask the question until, frankly, they're taught by the world that you don't fit in if you're that simple and you don't fit in if you're that vulnerable. But without that level of vulnerability, we really never do develop the resilience to keep living and loving amidst uh, the tragedy. Instead, we become endurers and and, uh, survivors instead of thrivers amidst tragedy. The only way you can thrive amidst tragedy is with heart. And the only way you can keep heart is with others. So thank you for listening. God bless you. I look forward to uh, doing this again. Bye-bye.